there for you. It makes it giggle a little bit. You can never have enough books. And don't tell me I have enough. So, these are books that I absolutely loved. I like to start out with the books that just were highlights for me this year. Um, Gary Schmidt, if you are a graduate of Calvin College slash university, which I've heard we're not allowed to say we're university graduates, right? Because like, we graduated from the college. So Gary Schmidt has given us a new brilliant book. It is called Pay Attention, Carter Jones. In this book, it's the first day of school, and Carter Jones' house is in chaos. The dog is barking. The milk has spilled. It's raining. The dog's actually not barking. He's throwing up. Um, and the doorbell rings. And the last thing Carter expects when he opens the door is to see a very proper British butler standing at his door. In walks Mr. Bowles Fitzpatrick, which, side note, I wish he had thrown the name Bowles in there because I always think it's Mr. Parker Bowles because I love the royal family, but it's not. It's Mr. Bowles Fitzpatrick. He's also Mary Poppins in male form. He has come to help Carter's family because Carter's dad is off overseas. And so Carter's dad sends this butler to help out Carter's family. Mr. Bowles drives a purple eggplant purple Bentley that they call the eggplant. And he actually is there to help Carter put his life back together. And in this book, we learn a ton about cricket. I knew nothing about cricket before this book was, before I read this book. And it was fascinating. Every single chapter starts with a little cricket fact. So our American kids can learn cricket from reading this book. And it's just fun because Carter has three sisters. Mr. Bowles Fitzpatrick teaches 12-year-old um, Carter to drive the Purple Bentley. And then he drives him around the places. But my favorite part of this book was every day Mr. Bowles Fitzpatrick says to those kids when they get out of the car, he says this, make good decisions and remember who you are. That's how he sends the kids off to school every single day. And I love this book. I mean, it's Gary Schmidt. He uses words like no one else does. Um, it's a great book. So this is an older book. I actually could have talked about this book last year, but I avoided it because of Kenneth Opal. He kind of freaks me out a little bit. He wrote The Nest a few years ago, which made me have to sleep with the lights on at home because it was just that creepy. So I avoided this book until this summer when I read it and loved it. So Ethan is your main character, and he is working on a graphic novel group project. How cool would that be? Put that down. You can have your kids work on a graphic novel group project. Um, but his dad, Ethan's dad, is a graphic novelist, and so everyone thinks that Ethan will be this amazing author and illustrator because his dad is. Well, actually, he's not. He can't draw to save his life. Um, and his dad has actually stopped drawing. He's in major writer's block right now because his, his wife, Ethan's mom, died of cancer about a year ago. Um, and so his dad just can't bring himself to write. Um, but one night, a blob escapes from his dad's sketchbook. And the blob becomes alive. And this blob, we named, um, Ethan names him Inkling. And Inkling starts doing the drawing for the graphic novel project. And so when Ethan takes his drawings to school, it just so happens that his, I know this is a little, hang with me, his dad's editor's daughter is in Ethan's class and suddenly realizes there's no way Ethan's making those pictures. She says that it's Ethan's dad doing it. Well, it turns out Inkling is doing it. Um, 
and start making money again. Um, it's just a fabulous book. It ta you can talk about writer's block, plagiarism, grief, um, group projects, honesty. There's so many things you can talk about. And the side of this book, I'm going to give you a little plug for Picture Books 101 this afternoon that Trish and I are going to lead. We're going to learn all things picture books. But this has this cool little, it's called Four Edge Painting on every page. So you can learn little fun facts like that this afternoon, Picture Books 101. Um, and it's just a cool book, great illustrations, just a great, great, fabulous book that I wish I had told you about last year because you would have been a year ahead, but we didn't. Um, but going back to the class, I actually think this would be a great read to discuss many different things with students. It's set in London, and it really focuses on refugees and um, the whole refugee crisis that's happening in the whole world, not just in America. Amit is a refugee from Syria, and he comes to class one day and sits in the empty seat in the back. Now, there are a lot of kids in that class who do not think he belongs there. And in fact, even the teacher doesn't think Amit belongs there. But Amit has had quite a story. He left Syria, his baby sister drowned across the Mediterranean Sea. He doesn't know where his parents are. He doesn't speak the language, and now here he is in this classroom. Now the unique thing about this book is it's told from a mysterious narrator that we don't learn the narrator's gender, and we don't learn the narrator's name until the very, very, very end of the book. So you're wondering the whole time, the narrator is in the story, but we don't know who it is or what the person's gender is. And I think I just made it through without actually telling you and giving it away, because you need to read the book. But at the end of the book, at the end is a little far-fetched, but it's pretty fun. Three kids from Amit's class go to London to talk to the queen to try to convince her to keep the borders open so that Amit's parents can be found. And so ensues all this wild things of the queen's guards get involved, um, they get arrested. It's just a fun <laughs> refugee story set in a different place than you can I think it'd be a great read aloud. Oh, Gordon Corman, so good. This is another book that I discovered that I absolutely love, The Unteachables. I would say this is more of a fourth, fifth, sixth grade book for sure. Um, the students in room 117 are put there for a reason. They're put there because they're the ones that can't read, they're the misfits, they're the kids that are getting expelled all the time. It's kind of like The Breakfast Club. Or you could say it's, it, let's go to the breakfast club, that's the perfect analogy actually. And there is a teacher who has been teaching for about 35 years, his name is Mr. Kermit. Mr. Kermit, when he started out, was an amazing teacher. He was like the star teacher. Everyone wanted Mr. Kermit to be their teacher. Everyone loved Mr. Kermit, but then there was a standardized test scandal that involved Mr. Kermit and he dropped from glory. And so Mr. Kerman has just been biding his time, and he actually is thinking that if he can make it through this year, he can take early retirement, because he's made his 35 years. Unfortunately, the administration does not want him to take early retirement, because they need to pay for it. So they put him in room 117 with the misfits, and he doesn't really put forth any effort, and the administration is hoping he'll just quit because it's that bad, but Mr. Kermit just sits on the computer, doesn't pay attention to the kids, until one day one of his students is treated unfairly. And Mr. Kermit snaps back into old Mr. Kermit, who can actually make a difference.
And it's just a great story of, um, it's told in alternating voices. It's just a great teacher story. You love, actually end up loving Mr. Kermit. You root for these kids. You want them to succeed. Um, I loved it. And it's Gordon Corman, so it's well written as well. Okay. Stay is a little hard to explain, but stick with me. Thank you. 
And their teacher, Ms. Graham, um, she can, she gives them a journal and they can do whatever they want in this journal. Ms. Graham assigns a social justice unit. And these kids work in groups and one group decides to spend the night in a homeless shelter without letting their parents know where they're going. And so these four kids disappear one night and no one knows where they've gone. They actually didn't get to stay in the shelter. They ended up staying under a bridge. No one had a cell phone. It was a big, giant mess. And Miss um, Graham gets in a little bit of trouble, but things are resolved very well. So many relatable themes in this book. Um, friendship, shifting friendships, wealthy kids versus the child who's living in a garage. Um, immigrant families, students who struggle. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on and on. This book is an absolute must for your classroom. Absolute must. You must buy this book. Trust me. And trust Sharon. <laughs> Max Einstein, this is a newer series that um, I listened to the first book. If you're ever looking for a good way to get books read, because I know it takes a lot of time and I know we're all super busy, Audiobooks are a great way to get through books very quickly. And audiobooks are reading. It's reading. Um, Max Einstein is a genius, and she is a girl. Yes! Um, she's a 12-year-old orphan who is actually hacked into the New York NYU's computer system so that she can go to college. And she loves Einstein. She doesn't know where she came from. She doesn't know if she's actually related to Einstein. Um, but she is recruited by a very mysterious organization named the Change Makers Institute. And their mission is to solve some of the world's toughest problems like um, water, electricity, poverty. And they're finding these kids to help them solve these problems. So Max is taken to the Netherlands, I believe where they are um, in a competition to see who's going to win. Of course, spoiler alert, Max wins. But she says she won't do the job unless all of her other competitors are with her. Basically, the first book was a lot of setup of who the characters are, what they're all about. And I have not read the second book, um, but the second book is going to be about solving world's water contamination issues. And I loved it, and it's actually um, one of the first books that was endorsed by the Albert Einstein Foundation. Easy to read, funny parts, and girl genius. Oh, Louisiana's Way Home. This is the second book. Uh, this follows Rainy Nightingale, which I have to be perfectly honest, I didn't love Rainy Nightingale, but it's Kate DiCamillo, so you have to love Kate DiCamillo. I loved Louisiana's Way Home a lot. Louisiana Elefante um, is woken up in the middle of the night by her grandmother who declares that the day of reckoning has arrived. And they get into the car and they drive in the middle of the night and they end up somewhere in Georgia where Louisiana's grandmother suddenly has a major toothache. Louisiana has to find a dentist. They're stuck in this town. Grandmother is stuck in the hotel room that they really can't pay for. Louisiana starts singing at funerals in order to make money for them. Um, meets a new friend named Burke Allen, who just has a delightful family. And this book 
I, I will talk about the third book as well called Beverly right here. Um, but of this trilogy, Louisiana is my favorite, hands down. And you really don't need to read Rainy Nightingale in order to fully understand this because Kate took the characters and put them in a whole new location, all new friends, all new people. It would have been really easy for Kate to just um, use the same setting as her last book, but it's Kate DeCamillo, she's a genius. So she mixed it up. Oh, because of the rabbit, this is by Cynthia Lord. She wrote, I think we can call it a companion picture book to this one-ish, um, that Trisha talked about. Um, this book is once again set in Maine, as many of Cynthia Lord's books are. And it's just a gentle, quiet story. I, I can see this being a read-aloud in third or fourth grade. Um, Emma is starting public school for the very first time. She's in fifth grade. She's been homeschooled up until now. And on the night before school, Emma goes on a mission with her dad, who's a game warden, to rescue a rabbit from a fence. Turns out this rabbit is clearly a pet rabbit because it's pretty tame. Emma really, really, really wants to keep this rabbit, but her dad says, no, nope, we've got to wait and make sure it doesn't belong to anyone. So while they're waiting for owners to come forward, Emma gets adjusted into school, and she realizes that there are so many rules in public schools, and that the days are so long, because when she was homeschooled, she was done by noon. Um, and she ends up having to sit in a pod of four people, two girls that are thick as thieves and do not want to let her into their group, and then a boy named Jack. And Jack always has people with him. I would say Jack is on the autism spectrum, because he just, he's obsessed about things, he um, has a hard time settling down, he likes routine, and he loves animals. So when they have a group project, the two girls in their project aren't going to let Emma do any work, but Emma and Jack connect. And it becomes this beautiful friendship story of understanding others, of fitting in, of doing the right thing. Um, you will have to work on your French words, when you read this book, because there's a lot of French, the grandparents have French names, the rabbit ends up with a French name. Um, and also make sure you read the author's note at the end. The author's note made me cry a little bit. So do it, it's great. This may be the funniest funny I've ever found. I'll give you a minute.
talked to someone who has a sixth grader who read this, and they said, Mom, I saw myself in this book. I know what it's like to have that nervous stomach. I know what it's like to have to go to the bathroom really, really bad at times. Um, because it is puberty, there is way at the end, a girl does get her period, and they do say that she got her period, that's all they say, the other girls think it's really cool. Um, so, be aware. So if you don't want to give this to your third graders, it doesn't talk about sex, nothing of that, just uses the word period, um, which is not a sin. Also, I my soapbox now. Okay, sorry. Um, there is another girl in the very end when they're talking about growing up and getting older that talks about her dad drinking too much alcohol, but the anxiety is dealt with in a very real way. She sees a therapist, she goes to counseling. Um, I think kids would relate to it. So, guts. It's great. Best Friends by Shannon Hale. This picks up where real friends left off. This is just a great book about shifting friendships. They're in sixth grade now. Um, Adrian and Shannon have been friends forever, but Adrian is now shifting to hang out with Jen, the cool girl, and Shannon still wants to write her comics, because this is actually based on Shannon Hale's real life. And so Shannon just wants to write books and read comics, but the rest of the sixth graders are moving on from that. Um, there is a lot of truth and friendship in this book. I saw my own middle school experiences in this book come to life, and I think it's a great graphic novel for kids who are growing up and dealing with those changing friendships. Click and Camp are by a newer illustrator and author named Kayla Miller. Click comes first. Olive is the main character. She's one of the braids. She's real cool. She has always gotten along with everyone. But suddenly she's totally left out of all the groups that are forming their variety show acts. And she doesn't really know why she's left out. She just is. Um, what I loved about these two books is it's not really about all the bullying that happens. It's just about girls figuring out where they fit in in life. So there isn't major bullying. It's just friendships shifting. Try saying that five times fast. <laughs> um, and in camp, Olive and Willow are heading to summer camp. Olive is super confident. She wants to be out there in the world. Willow is a little more shy struggling to make connections, and they're just figuring out how to be friends in a new situation, in a new setting, when their personalities are just coming out in different ways. Um, and the next book called Act comes out in May. Great, great graphic novel series. Strongly recommend them. Uh, Rocket to the Moon is part of a new graphic novel series. I don't know when the next one's coming out. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. I can't type the information. Um, but this one is about the first moon landing. It is nonfiction. Um, it tells the history leading up to the moon landing. It tells how the landing changed the world. And it's just great facts. It would be a great addition to your nonfiction books in your library. I'm going to briefly mention this one because I loved The Giver growing up. Um, I didn't read it when it was assigned to me because I didn't usually read books that were actually assigned. I wanted to read my own thing. Um, just, again, so hard. Um, I thought it was a great adaptation of it. I thought the illustrations were well done, and I thought it was a great adaptation. I know not everyone will agree with me, but if you have some dormant readers in your room and you do talk about The Giver, it might be a great option for you. I just finished this one recently. 
Lazio book in the realm of wonder. Um, this is about Julian's grandmother, who uh, was a Jew living in France during World War II. And she hid in a barn during the war, according to the story. It's a beautiful graphic novel. RJ Palacio herself did the illustrations because she was actually a cover artist before she wrote Wonder. So she is actually a gifted illustrator. Um, it's the power of kindness. It's World War II. It um, is about taking the time to really get to know a person. I actually read this one and listened to the audio. The audio is actually a full cast recording, so you get different voices and sound effects and music. Um, just be aware that it is World War II, it is the Holocaust. Um, a couple people do get shot, so maybe not for your third and fourth graders, but it's well done. And another very brief mention, the crossover has been made into a graphic novel as well. Call me Alexander. Um, it's a great adaptation of it. And I have a super crossover fan in our school who I gave him, his mom's in the back. I don't think she even knows the story. Uh, but he um, loves the crossover and books, and um, he read it and thought it was great. So check that out. All right, early chapter books and heavily, stop the violence. Um, and heavily illustrated chapter books. This will be our third and fourth grade teachers, especially. Here we go, third and fourth grade teachers. This is for you. Frankie Sparks. Frankie Sparks is another girl who likes math and science. Mm -hmm. She loves to solve any problem. And in the first book, The Class Pet, the class is going to get a pet. And they're trying to decide what it's going to be. And um, Frankie is convinced that they should get a rat. But there are some rules for this pet. It needs to fit an aquarium, cost less than $50, be easily portable, and be able to be left alone for the weekend. Frankie thinks a rat is perfect. However, she just happens to have an aunt who is a rat expert. Um, and Aunt Gina, the rat expert, decides, tells Frankie, that rats need to be fed every day. So suddenly the rat doesn't fit the mold anymore. But never fear, Frankie Sparks takes out all of her craft supplies and her and her different devices and creates a way for the rat to be fed over the weekend. It would be a great STEM book, a great STEAM book. There is a little twist that some other kids think a rat is gross and don't want a rat. So there's a little bit of competition between the rat, team rat, and um, team whatever the other animal is. <laughs> Seriously, I have no idea what it is right now. But it's a great book, Diversity of Characters, Science, it's beautiful. I have not read the second book, but the third and fourth book are coming out in the next few months. Great, easily accessible for third graders, and she's a third grader, she's a third grade inventor. Knights versus Dinosaurs and Knights versus Monsters. Um, I had a very dormant reader read Knights versus Dinosaurs a couple weeks ago, and he returned it and loved it, and he begged me to give him Knights versus Monsters, and I said, I can't give it to you yet, but I'll give it to you on Monday, October 28th. <laughs> and he said, okay, he can hardly wait. Um, there are four knights in this book. Sir Eric, Sir Bors, Sir Hector, and the Silent Black Knight. And they are all from King Arthur's table, and they are bored because there haven't been any dragons lately. So they all sit around boasting to each other about all these dragons they've slewed in their lives. Um, which aren't actually true. So Merlin sends them back in time to the time of the dinosaurs. 
And these four knights have to battle these dinosaurs. And just as I was reading this book, thinking, really, we have all male knights? There's a very cool little twist. I'm not going to tell you about it. You can read it for yourself. But it's a fabulous little twist. Um, this would be great for your students who are starting to move beyond Magic Treehouse. It still has that feel. It has some great illustrations, rich language, because it's set during King Arthur's table. Um, vocabulary, humor, fun, pictures, it's great. Um, and knights versus monsters, instead of battling dinosaurs this time, they're battling some monsters. It's great. Check it out. So the bots, there are currently four books out of the bots right now. They seem to be coming out very quickly. Um, Joe Bot and Rob Ott. Don't tell your readers that Max is a girl. 
they come back like this tall, matches a girl. Like, yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah, it was good. Um, <laughs> because the great thing is, there are still fart jokes. It's still funny. It's still clever and engaging. So what boy isn't going to love reading about Max? Just because she's a girl. Astronauts. Which, when I got this book, I thought, okay, here we go. Um, this is written by John Sheska and illustrated by Stephen Weinberg. The, I want to tell you about the illustrations first. The illustrations are done in cooperation with that famous Dutch museum that I'm probably going to slaughter the name of, the Rijksmuseum. R-I-J-S-K. I should, I'm Dutch, I should not want to say that, however. Um, but what happened is the Rijksmuseum a couple years ago actually released all of their copyrighted material and put it online for free use. So they took away all the copyright restrictions. And so the authors of this book took all of that art and made it a part of the illustrations for this book. So although it may look crazy, and if you go to their website, which happens to be astronauts.space, you can show your kids how the illustrations were made. It's a super colorful book, and it's about these four very unique creatures named Astro Wolf, Laser Shark, Smart Hawk, and Stinkbug, who have been living in George Washington's nose on Mount Rushmore for that moment in time when NASA, which stands for not NASA, NASA, decides that the Earth has reached its limit and can't take it anymore. So George Washington's nose flies off his face. The four astronauts go, and the first planet they land on is called Plant Planet, where the plants fight back. But these four are on a mission to find a new place for all of the inhabitants of Earth to live, because the Earthlings have ruined Earth. So climate change, science facts, there's great vocabulary, great concepts, and as far as I know, this is going to be a trilogy, but I don't know when the next books are coming out. Mac B, Kids Spy. These are written by Mac Barnett, who you might know from such things as Extra Yarn, or Santa Dave Dig a Hole, or some other picture books that he's a genius for. Um, but in this book, these are heavily illustrated, heavily, um, heavily illustrated books, with Matt B being a kid spy in London. And he's not just any spy, he is actually a spy for the Queen of England. And he goes on worldwide adventures to try to find back the crown jewels which have been stolen. He has a corgi sidekick, because who wouldn't want a corgi sidekick? Um, I would say these are basically James Bond meets Whippy Kid. It's a great combination. Great historical facts are filtered throughout the books, so not only will your kids love reading them, but they'll learn something at the same time. Alright, on to our just great books. This is all going to be you on Monday. This is all going to be you on Monday. Alright, come on, Patricia. I'm time crunch here. Shouting in the Rain is Linda Mullally Hunt. This book would be a great read aloud, I think. Um, Delcy loves weather. She lives on um, a small little East Coast village with her grandmother. And every summer, some kids come back to the island, seaside town, and um, she has her summer friends, her summer friend Brandy, that they've played together every summer. But this summer, Brandy has grown up a little bit. 
sea glass and building sandcastle houses and doing all the things they did when they were younger. Brandy has grown up, and she's not quite ready to do the things that Delcy wants to do. Delcy also, because of this, starts struggling with the feelings of being abandoned by her own mother when she was young, and a lot of that is because of Brandy choosing to go elsewhere. Um, she ends up hooking up with Ronan. Ronan, you just want to hug the whole time. He's just an awkward little dude who just doesn't really know what's up and down in the world. Um, they go on great adventures, friendships, where to fit in, family. Linda Mullally Hunt develops characters so well, and she did the same in this book. It's just a beautiful, beautiful book that your kids will love. Sleeping Off the Heart by Kevin Hankus. Everyone say Hankus with me. Hankus. Um, Kevin Hankus has given us another chapter book. The last chapter book he gave us was um, Billy Miller. Thank you. Billy Miller. Um, Amelia Albright is in seventh grade. Now, don't be scared for the fifth graders that she's in seventh grade. She really reads more like a fifth grader. Um, Amelia Albright really wants to go to Florida for spring break, but her English professor father wants nothing to do with it. So Amelia is stuck at home with Mrs. O'Brien, their housekeeper, who cooks all their meals, um, because Amelia's mother died about 10 years ago. And so Amelia's dad really never recovered. Um, and Amelia just is looking for a friend. Her best friend became a mean girl, and Amelia is very good at ceramics. And so in the ceramic shop one day, she meets Casey, who's staying with his aunt while his parents try to repair their marriage. Um, and together, Casey and Amelia make up stories about people they meet on the streets. So they'll see Kevin walking by and give Kevin a new name and then tell his story about where he came from and what he did. And they're very creative. And one day, Casey is convinced that there's a woman in the street who is Amelia's mother, which is impossible. So this woman seems to be following Amelia. And as it turns out, Amelia's dad has been dating this woman but has been keeping her away from Amelia because he's not quite sure he's ready to commit and introduce her to Amelia. Um, so there isn't really a major climax in the story. It's just a quiet, sweet Kevin story about grieving, friendship, creativity. Um, it's just a sweet, quiet little story. Over the Moon by Natalie Boyd. Natalie Boyd gave us a sticker of magic a couple years ago. And this book is brilliant. We actually Skyped with Natalie Lloyd yesterday. Um, and she's just the sweetest thing with her southern accent. This is totally different than Natalie Lloyd's other books, and yet it feels very Natalie Lloyd because it's set in the mountains. It's set in a coal mining town called Coal Top, where all the boys leave school at 12 to work in the coal mine. And all the girls leave school at 12 to go work as servants in the rich people's houses. And Mally is one of these girls who has to leave school to go be a servant, essentially. Um, the whole town is shredded in this dust that just never goes away. And we learned yesterday from Natalie Lloyd that that dust is a representation of anxiety. Natalie Lloyd dealt with anxiety in her own life. And that dust is it's like you feel squelched, you feel trapped. And so that dust is always there. Now, not only does Mally have no choice to leave school, but she also has only one arm. So she's dealing with a prosthetic 
that she um, calls the pop snap that keeps her back from doing other things as well. She is recruited to a competition about flying horses that they're told these flying horses are going to battle monsters underground, but really what they're going to do is gather gold dust to essentially make the rich richer and the poor poorer. Um, Maui doesn't give up. It's full of hope. It's full of, full of mystery. I would say this is a great little part fairy tale, part mystery. I'd read it a lot if I was you. Fourth or fifth grade especially. I think your kids would really enjoy it and it's just a different feel. Pie in the Sky was a unique book that every now and then when I go to a bookstore, I just look at the covers. Covers do matter, let's be honest. And I saw this book and thought, huh, that looks kind of cool. So I bought it. No impulse control. And um, it's a really cool book about immigration. These two boys named 11-year-old Jing, Jing Wen and his little brother Yang Hao and their mother immigrate from China to Australia. So again, different refugees, different immigrants from different country. Um, their father is actually killed in a car accident. And what we learned throughout the book is Jing Wen actually thinks it's his fault. And so there's a lot of healing that takes place in this book. Um, there's a lot of graphic novel essences to this book. Um, whenever Jing Wen tries to talk to people above their heads, we just see this gobbledygook symbols because he can't understand English. And he doesn't want to learn English. And so what he does, um, he starts making pies because their father's dream was to open a bakery in Australia. And so Jing Wen and his little brother Yang Hao start making all of these pies and cakes every night, but they have to eat the whole thing because their mom can't find out that they're doing this. So they are full and they're gaining weight. And you might be wondering, where's mom? Well, mom's working third shift in the bakery. So they have the time to make these pies. And there's a recipe in the back. Um, just a great, fun book about immigration and cake. <laughs> Jess Keating has given us Elements of Genius. This is going to be a series, and this is the first book, Nikki Tesla and the Ferret-Proof Death Ray. Um, we have another girl genius who loves science. This was a big theme this year. Um, she is recruited Nikki is recruited to go to the Genius Academy where she is surrounded by other geniuses and she finally has friends. Um, part of the reason she was recruited is because she has created a death ray. And so the death ray is stolen halfway through the book and Nikki has to trust her brilliant friends to try to get it back. Students are going to connect with this great STEM book. Um, there's a great little ferret that runs throughout the whole thing. It's funny, it's smart, there are great twists and turns. I can hardly wait for book two. So it's gonna be a great little series. Ooh, The Lost Girl. Um, this would be a, on the lines of fairy tale. This is Anne Ursu. She wrote Breadcrumbs a couple years ago. Iris and Lark are identical twins and they've always done everything together because they're better together. Um, but in fifth grade, it's decided, without discussing with them, that they're going to be split in separate classes. And Iris, who is normally fierce, she suddenly lacks confidence. And Lark, who is normally very quiet, retreats even further into herself. Iris, uh, Lark has a teacher who terrifies her, and it just goes very poorly. 
try to protect Lark. This book is so unique in its narration because we start out the narration seeing both Iris and Lark, but as the story goes on, the focus just becomes very narrow to only really learning about Iris. And it's just a unique book with a unique voice, mystery. It's a great mystery for your kids who love good mystery. Um, this is another book that I don't think third or fourth graders will connect with, but your fifth graders probably will. Um, Jonathan Oxier wrote um, some great books in the past. <laughs> this one is set in Victoria, London, and the climbing boys, think Mary Poppins and the chimney sweeps, their job is to climb up the chimneys and clean the insides. A lot of them are orphans and are owned by not very nice men. Nan Sparrow is a girl, and she's 11, and she um, is trapped one day in a chimney, and it starts on fire. And she should actually not survive this, but this is where it gets a little funky. She is saved by a char. The char is from her old master, a little char of coal that her old master gave her, who actually loved her and took care of her in wonderful ways. And this char saves her, so you get that fantasy element. This char actually becomes a golem named Charlie. Now, fun fact, a golem is a magical creature found in Jewish folklore, which is why this book won a Jewish literature award last year. Um, Nan and Charlie hide away until Nan can no longer be quiet about all the cruelties happening to these climbing boys. So you've got historical fiction, you think Charles Dickens, think Hans Christian Andersen, um, child labor reforms, fun story, fun unique story. Ooh, a Drop of Hope, this is a great one. Um, this is basically life in small town America where there happens to be a wishing well. And some of the kids in this class find a way to get underneath the well and they start granting wishes to people. It's a kindness book. And it's told in different perspectives. You hear different voices. I would almost say read this book out loud, but I'm not sure the different voices are very short chapters. I'm not sure how well it will go. But it's a beautiful story of kindness and friendship. And um, it's very sophisticated language, beautifully well done. So check out A Drop of Hope. Song for a Whale. Full disclosure, I haven't read this book, but I have two kids that have. So. Let's hear from them, because they want to tell you about it. Okay, so, no, your name is Ryan. Oh, yeah. Hi, my name is Ryan. Hey, I'm Milo. Today we're going to be talking about the book, Song for a Whale. So, I'm Lynn Kelly. Yeah, yeah, we keep on forgetting that. <laughs> so, Song for a Whale is about a young deaf girl named Iris. She doesn't fit in in her school, but because one day... Because they're not deaf. It's not a deaf school. And she's like the only girl that's deaf. She feels out of place there. One day she um, hears about this whale called Pool 55 in science class. And she learns that everything, like this whale <laughs> sings at 55 hertz. And every and other whale sings at 32 to 20 hertz. It's 32. 32. <laughs> um, but she decides that she needs to let this whale know that there's someone else out there. There's someone Somebody listening to
that tried to get him like a few years before and she was actually kind of surprised when the person actually texted back saying, um, no, I'd love, but I'd love it if you could visit us sometime if you live around the area because they live all the way in Alaska. So she decides, okay, this is going to be hard. Do something. This is going to be hard, but I'm going to keep on trying. So the reason you should buy this book is it's, it's a heartwarming. <laughs> it's so good because we, me and her both read it. Uh, we were just. <laughs> we just fell in love with the book. Yeah. Let me tell you the great author. Yeah. And I just felt like I really could like feel Iris in Blue 55, how she was feeling. Because it just made us happy. <coughs> Ma, who happens to be a witch, and her job, but not a witch 
witch who just does things? Hard to explain. But her, she has to deliver baby dragons one day, and there are two rules about baby dragons. One, you don't let them out of the bag. Two, you don't feed them anything sweet. Jax, of course, breaks both of these rules, and a huge giant mess unfolds. Um, great book with diversity. It's in an urban setting, imagination, humor, all these things. Okay, this is an older book. I'm going really fast. I found this book this summer. I love you, Michael Collins. The little girl in the book decides that she is going to write a letter to Michael Collins, the astronaut that had to stay on the spaceship, in, rather than Buzz Aldrin or um, Neil Armstrong, because she just feels bad for him. There's a lot of things going on in this book. It's a great historical <laughs> fiction set in 1969. They drink Tang. They talk about moon landing. It's written in letter form. I love it. Uh, Born Just Right is nonfiction. It's actually written from this Jordan Reeves, who um, is the girl on the cover. She is born of a limb difference, and it's her story of how she survives in this world and what she does to make the world a better place for kids with disabilities. Um, great STEM book, because it talks about she invents a prosthetic arm that shoots glitter, and it talks about her process in doing all that. Okay, Caterpillar Summer. Trish, I'm not going to take I might have two dinners. Caterpillar Summer is another book I did not read, but these beautiful girls did. Hi, I'm Sophia. And I'm Jada. And we are going to talk about Caterpillar Summer, which is by Jillian McDunn. And it's basically about um, a girl named Cat and a boy named Chicken. And they are siblings. And they are off on an adventure, on a vacation. And they're going to meet their cousins, but their aunt got sick, so the, the cousins had to go visit her. And so their mom decides to um, send them to her parents, which they have never met in their life. Yeah, and they have a crazy adventure. And so it's basically about Kat, which she wants, she, <laughs> she wants to sign up for a fishing contest, but she hasn't even fished in her life. So her grandpa Bacon has to teach her how and so she wants to go against this mean kid, um, and he's won all four years that he's done it. So they got to the fishing day, and he cheats. They find out he cheats, and she wins second place. And so, but then Chicken goes mysteriously missing, and then she has to find him with all the rest of the island looking for him, and they find him surprisingly somewhere. <laughs> yeah, so you should buy this book because it has a very good lesson in it. Yeah, and um, it can happen in real life because um, Kat has to hold her family together, otherwise it could fall apart. And so that happens in real life, and it could be a hard book on the She has friends with 
a girl who is part of a trapeze artist family, and her friend falls one day. This book is crazy. It's a little nuts, so you're not, not all of your readers are going to like it, but some will. Mark Mercy Suarez, it won the Newbery last year. Um, Alzheimer's, grandparents, the value of family. Um, Beverly right here, I'll be perfectly honest, this is the third in the Ramey Nightingale, Louisiana, and Beverly. I'm about halfway through this one. It's much older. She is 14. She runs away from home. She lies about her age. Um, it's good. If you have kids that are Red Ramey and Louisiana, they will definitely want to read this book. Um, but it is a little bit older, set older. Okay, some books with older themes. Birdie could actually be read by anyone, however, because of all of the romance in it, that's why I'm going a little bit older, fifth, sixth, seventh grade of this one. It's written in free verse. It's actually really well done, but Birdie's dad um, was a firefighter who died in line of duty, and so her mom is in a new relationship, her grandma's in a new relationship, she wants to be in a relationship, and because of the relationships, that's why I bumped a little older. Sharon Draper. I took a YA class this summer, and the girl who reviewed this book for our class totally spoiled the ending for me. I'm not going to spoil the ending for you, but you must read this book before you put it into the hands of your children. Um, the little girl, her name is Isabella. Her father is black. Her mother is white. They are divorced. It's messy. And a giant tragedy happens, and that's all I'm going to tell you. Read it first. Read it first. Uh, the Bridge to Home is another one I would give to older kids. Um, it's set in India. Two girls who are sisters, Fiji and Rufu, they are homeless, living under a bridge because their father was abusive. Um, this is a great story about severe poverty, child labor, disability, death, religion. It's heartbreaking. Older kids, older audience, for sure. Momentous events. This is a follow-up to the Cactus book, um, the other Cactus book by Dusty Bowling. Avon is now in high school, which I wish she hadn't dumped her in high school because she's written more like she's a middle schooler, but she is in high school. It's first loves. Um, one of the super popular kids almost kisses her, but then humiliates her by saying it's gross in front of everyone. Um, so it reads, because of all the romance, a little bit older. Other words for home, oh, this book is amazing, but for older kids again. Um, Jude and her mother had left behind her dad and brother there in Syria because her mother is pregnant, and Jude and her mother have come to Cincinnati to escape the crisis in Syria. Um, Jude has a hard time adjusting. There is talk of periods, once again. Um, just older things. And then these are some books you simply need. And it says, honey, stop reading. Look at this beautiful view. No, I can't. I'm on a cliffhanger. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Unicorns 101 by Kale Atkinson. It would be such a great way to introduce nonfiction to your kids. It's like a nonfiction unicorn book with all the features. It's fabulous. And unicorns are a very hot topic right now. Buy it. Own it. Love it. Paul writes a letter. Chris Rasha um, illustrated some of Paul's writings. So it's kind of like, um, what, how would you illustrate some of the Bible? It's pretty well done. The Savior is born. Trisha talked about this. The whole Christmas story told in rocks. 
scaffold and rocks. Neon's Long Walk. This is a great companion book to A Long Walk to Water by Clover <coughs> Park. Great, great, great. If you have